0: I'm Steve Campbell, and you're listening to The Ascent Podcast. This week's guest is a good friend of mine named Caleb Campbell. Caleb's story takes you everywhere from the NFL to a career in the military to working as a public speaker and trying to build a successful digital agency. I'm excited about this episode, and I can't wait for you to hear it. All right, I'm here with Caleb Campbell. Thanks for joining me, Caleb.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Steve.
0: Anytime. Um, so the way what we usually do here and the way this works at The Ascent is we ask people three questions. Um... You know, where did you come from? Where are you at now? And where are you going? Just to get the personal story out there. And so why don't you tell everybody who you are, where you came from?
1: Yeah, I came from a small Texas town in the Texas Panhandle, Perryton, Texas, a town of literally 9,000 people, and we had tumbleweeds and tornadoes. I <laughs> uh, grew up right in the middle of Texas uh, Tornado Alley, so I, I remember vividly as a kid running, literally running from tornadoes as a kid. Mm, <laughs> and crazy. all I my mom ever told me was, you know, at least you're getting a good speed workout in for football. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, mom, if there's a football field to play on. Um, but yeah, I went from Texas. I took a Division One scholarship to the United States Military Academy at West Point. Uh, it was at West Point where I was commissioned as an officer in the U.S. Army, Graduated West Point, got commissioned. Uh, but then I was part of this unique opportunity. Uh, there was this alternative service obligation policy that was put into motion, put into effect by the Department of Defense. And what this policy was enabling uh, cadet athletes to do was, essentially, if you were good enough to play a professional sport, and if you have the opportunity to play a professional sport, i.e. a professional contract uh, you could pursue that professional sport while serving in the military simultaneously. So that, that got, uh, set in motion. My, my sophomore year at West Point, And I ended up getting selected in the 2008 NFL draft, uh, my senior year. So I was selected in the draft and graduated. And then long story short, I went to, uh, Detroit where I was drafted the day of my contract signing, you know, that big day, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I get signing bonus money. I get, uh, you know, I signed my contracts. I had a car deal lined up. Everything was just great. Um, and I got a phone call. I had to go to the stadium. I thought I was getting cut, but it turns out it was a little was much worse. <laughs> um, that policy that the Department of Defense put into motion, uh, basically they said, they rescind that policy, they revise that policy, and I have to return back to active duty immediately uh, for three years, and after three years of serving, I can opt out for an early release. It became a nationwide story. It was a lot of controversy around it. A lot of people, you know, agreed with it, didn't agree with it. I was just blatantly confused. I had no idea what was going on because I was hearing so many different conflicting messages, and I'm a 21-year-old kid at the time, 22-year-old kid, and I'm literally sitting at a round table with four-star generals, three-star generals, Mm -hmm. commandant and superintendent of West Point, and it's just like what do you want me to tell me what to do? And so I was getting so many conflicting nice. answers about what to do, what not to do. I'm back to West Point, served in the military, also had the unique opportunity of bobsledding with the USA Olympic team for a season, uh, just like cool runnings.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> and I went
1: from there, I got back in the NFL, man. Uh, and that led me to Buffalo, New York. I got done playing and I'm in Buffalo, New York. And, uh, I, I do like, you know, a lot of freelancing, a lot of social media marketing, digital marketing for clients. and a lot of public speaking.
0: That's crazy, man. Um, Man, that's crazy. I don't even know where to start with that. It's like such a lot of information in such a short period of time. Let's start at the very beginning, I guess. What what led to like a love of football from the the beginning? It was just you know you're growing up and you're running from tornadoes and you know you just you just loved sports from the get go, or you play other sports? Yeah. Uh,
1: no, just football. Yeah, football, basketball. I almost quit football to pursue basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think. Like my love for football is where, like, my story takes a turn and where I kind of what I often speak about when it's like that. Um, is I, I, it was weird because I was a star athlete as a kid, but I was also like immensely bullied, I was extremely suicidal, I hated life, I had no friends. I just, it was just this weird thing that happened to me as a kid. But early on, I learned that if I score touchdowns or if I bring our team to the state championship or if I win games, people suddenly like me. Mm-hmm. and so now football at an early age I learned that I could be accepted in life if I just perform well so that totally turned the love for the game at a young age because I was naturally gifted I was naturally good I just knew what to do and where to go when I was fast right I had mm-hmm. talent and skill set but it took a incredible turn whenever football started to become my identity, right? When football became who I was and not just the game that I played. Uh, and so that that did something completely different to me. And that was really the start of my life taking a big turn.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And I guess at what point did you, did becoming a professional football player sort of become a goal of yours? Or what? at what point during your journey did you Start pursuing that more aggressively, or, or realize that that was a real opportunity for you.
1: Yeah, I think for me it was. Um, I always wanted to play professional sports or professional football ever, always as a kid. Mm-hmm. And um, but when I on to West Point, it was kind of like, oh, that dream is done. That's what I was told. And so I knew that I had a dream to play professional sports, but I also knew that football was going to be over at some point in time in my life. Why not go to an incredible football school? In it? And that's when. It ended up. You know, I'm just this high school kid and I have to give it up. Mm-hmm. And so my sophomore year at West Point is when everything changed. That's when the policy was put in motion. The number six strong safety can mm-hmm. be all of college football. Uh, and so that's when it became a reality again that I actually have a chance.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, once you – I think it's smart that you went into it knowing, like, realizing that football comes to an end. I think a lot of players probably – just see the the big pay, the payday and like the path to that, and then they don't really think about what's going to happen when they turn thirty and you know the whole rest of their lives of you know selling insurance right. or whatever everyone ends up doing. Yeah. you're heading into the draft. You know you're heading towards a life of football and probably just really happy and thinking about that. Like you said, you had all these deals in place and going into that, and then you know the other shoe drops and you sh- you sort of get called back into going into service. I I can't even imagine how you felt during that? Um, I mean, you mentioned that you were really confused, but it's, it's gotta be really tough not having an option, right? Like you had, right? Like at least before it's like, I could see it being a tough choice anyway, if you had like one option or the other, depending on where your passions lie. But how did you feel about the fact that you just didn't even have a choice in the matter?
1: You know, this is like where people are kind of like, kind of surprised. And this is often what I speak about, Steve, it's kind of like, I was absolutely thrilled that that choice was taken away from me and I was told that I couldn't play. And I was thrilled for a couple of different reasons. And that kind of goes back to what I had referenced early on when I learned as a child that football was no longer just a game, but football is where I found validation. It's where I found acceptance. It's where I found love. It's where I found everything that we as human beings desire and crave. Like this is like we were made for relationships. We were made to be loved and to love. We were made for acceptance. And so when I found that in football, like football became my lifeline. It was literally the blood in my veins and the oxygen in my lungs. Like I'm not being exaggerated. Like like, that's seriously how I felt about football. And so when I got to the NFL, like this is the first time in my, you know, my football career when reality set in, Steve. And I suddenly realized like, oh my God, I could possibly fail. Mm -hmm. And if I don't succeed in the NFL, I'm going to lose everything. Mm-hmm. And so I had zero self confidence. Something happened. I obviously had to serve in those three years, um, but or uh, yeah, something happened in the NFL where I just lost all self confidence. I didn't know who. Like I couldn't actually believe in myself. I I literally played better football when I was in high school than I did in the league uh, because I was just so afraid of being exposed as this man that doesn't have what it takes to make it in the big leagues. And if I don't make it in the big leagues, and football is taken away from me, like God forbid, what do I do now? And that's what. My reality was and so when they told me that i couldn't play i was absolutely thrilled because that means i wasn't i didn't have to run the risk of being exposed as this person that didn't have what it takes i could hide behind this moment in time and just act like you know i'll be the good the good soldier that returns back to active duty and does what he's told all the while people are applauding me and praising me because of my response and so i still found acceptance in that moment Um, despite not being able to play. So it's interesting because I was actually thrilled that I wasn't able to play. Um, uh, And that decision and that choice was taken away from me. Mm -hmm.
0: So tell me about, um, you know, once you went into the service and then you came back to football three years later, what was that like? And, was that something that you, did you notice a difference in how you felt about it? Or did you really miss it that much that that's what, what drove you to the back? Or? Yeah,
1: so that's when it gets kind of interesting. I knew what I had experienced when it, right before I was told that I couldn't play. And I knew that, okay, if I have a couple of years to really prepare, um, to really get myself prepared for that moment in time, if the chance or the opportunity comes back to me, because at this time, I didn't know if I was going to be able to play or not. It was kind of up in the air. I didn't know if another team was going to give me a shot, right? Mm-hmm. And so I woke up, Steve, and I'm like, I, I trained like I've never trained before. For two and a half years, I was like, I, I crushed it. I was the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, the most agile person I've ever been in my life. And so I did that because I knew like, okay, once I get back to Detroit or once I get back into the NFL, like I have to be prepared for, you know, some way to beat that fear. And that's when I try to out, I try to outrun my fear. I try to outperform my fear. I try to out train my fear. If I could just get stronger, faster, and bigger, like that fear will deal with itself and I'll be okay. And that's what I thought. So I show back up. I got the opportunity to uh, get a free agent uh, contract back with Detroit. Uh, three years later and I show back up, you know on day one ready for training camp and as soon as I hit that field man mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit like oh my god mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I The fear still here mm-hmm. Like despite how much bigger I am despite how much faster despite I'm a stronger Despite all of these things the fear is still here and then it just hit me like a ton of bricks and then you know that's that's I lived like that for two years I did everything I could just to hold on uh, for two years, and that's when I realized that something needed to change and change soon, or I was literally going to be another statistic on the evening news.
0: Mm-hmm. There aren't too many people that have a story like yours, and that's why I was so interested in helping to tell it. And in the fact that you had something taken away from you, and then you come back and to to learn that you know that was still there is really is really interesting because it's just being in that same type of situation where um, you know nothing's really changed other than yeah. you got stronger and faster. And more mature over that time, I'm sure. But, um, you know, just recognizing that that's part of the industry that you're in and then living under fear like that is not something that you hear or, you know, think about very often as a fan. Do you have a favorite football moment from your playing days? Is there... Anything that stands oh, out from your career? Or- yeah,
1: not really necessarily in the NFL. I mean, I spent some time with Kansas City, and I I just fell in love with Kansas City. That's a great city. Uh, I think my favorite, like, you know, football memory of all time is probably in college my sophomore year uh, when we beat Air Force at Air Force and the first time in, like, you know, so many seasons. Uh, we beat Air Force at Air Force, and I think, like, I was... I think I set, like, a single season record for like the most single tackles in one I think I was, I was like 25 tackles in one game mm-hmm. um, that's incredible and that was just an, <laughs> yeah that was just an incredible moment uh beating Air Force at Air Force it came down to the last play of the game and just balling out you know it was just a special moment that I'll cherish forever
0: mm-hmm. that's awesome that's one of the more underrated rivalries out there I'm sure and
1: yeah (laughs) yeah I
0: mean anytime you can beat like your arch enemy or like a team that you haven't beaten in a long time and get that off off your plate it's like fans remember that forever you know anyone who's in school during that time still probably talks about that I'm I'm learning that like I'm realizing that this year I'm 10 years removed from Penn State already and it's like I still remember the games that I went to and you know I was in the stadium when we beat Ohio State there and college is funny like that it's like college sports in general I I think that's the reason why a lot of people are bigger fans in that arena just because of the people like 90 percent of the kids aren't going to go to the NFL and so everyone's just really giving it their all every game and just like having fun out there and it's just such an incredible you know thing to watch
1: oh yeah percent.
0: cool well um thanks for catching us up on where you came from I guess let's spend a little bit of time on talking about where you're at now I mean you talked about you know, you've been getting into some speaking and uh, doing social media and marketing and that kind of stuff that overlaps a lot with my expertise and my world I come from. And so um, where are you at right now?
1: Yeah. So um, I basically just, like I said, like I, 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 helped run a marketing agency here in Buffalo, New York. We started about four years ago, scaled it. I recently just stepped away from that. Um, I felt like, you know, if I don't get out now, I'm <laughs> never going to get out. And so there is uh, alongside of that, a personal brand that I kind of have been building over the last several years, and it's called Why I Stopped. Um, and essentially, I wanted to take this last season of my life, and this is often what I speak about, but I wanted to take this last season of my life and try to somehow articulate it in a way where I could build an ecosystem uh, that and a community that people can read these stories or hear these podcasts or listen and watch these different you know moments in time that people have experienced and find themselves in that story and so i, I created this platform called why I stop and it's just essentially an opportunity for people to share their story where they stop doing something uh for a season of life so that they could look internally uh because they've realized that no matter what they do no matter how much money they make no matter how much progress they make no matter how much success they experience or, i mean people they date or cars they drive what the real issue is the real issues internally and if they don't fix that they're going to continue to go around the same mountain and so it's been an incredible response i just recently released it a few weeks ago really uh and i haven't been able to really dedicate much time to it but overall i've had you know i think the first story i released is a, a, a girl who wrote why i stopped going back to relationships that are bad for me and it was just about this idea that she was never going to allow somebody to love her more than she loved herself so she always found herself in these toxic relationships with people that never valued her and she always blamed the guy for that or you know having bad guys in relationships and she over time realized that the real issue is her inability to value herself and so she stopped dating for a season of life and then she fixed that and now she's in a thriving relationship and she now speaks about that moment in time and I released that I love the story it was well written but I was shocked, you know, over about three days, it had over 7,000 views. And so a lot of people, like big numbers for me, it might not be big numbers for you or some other people, but a lot of people, you know, resonated with that story. And then on the other end of it, this platform also gives the opportunity for people to share their stories. And I'm so, so thankful, like, that people are willing to step into that, you know, that level of vulnerability and speak their truth because, you know, other people might be dealing with these same issues, or you might be putting to words what other people can't put to words. And it's going to be equally as liberating for that person reading the story that identifies with it. But it's also liberating for that person who's telling the story to tell their story. It's so empowering when you can understand that your story actually makes a difference.
0: That's awesome. First of all, I love the fact that you refer to a year in someone's life as a season of life. I, I'm probably going to steal that and use that because I'm <laughs> such a sports guy. Um, yeah. But no, I think you touched on a really great point in terms of vulnerability. I think one thing that, one of the biggest things I've learned since trying to tell other people's stories and giving them a platform in the ascent is that, you know, a lot of the stories that are most compelling or the things that warrant the most attention are the, the pieces that, you don't see every day they're not the fluff pieces of like just the positive aspects of people's life and you know the fact that people are willing to get deep and be vulnerable and then you're able to capture that and put that out there is you know really the first step in building a powerful brand and you know taking people in the right direction in order to leave an impact on the world I think and I think Absolutely. that's I think that's great what you're doing I I have you found it um, easy or difficult to get people to to locate people to share their stories or to find people who have compelling stories? Or are people starting to come to you now? Uh,
1: a few people are starting to come to me, but I'm trying to be a little bit more strategic in who I invite to share their stories. Mm-hmm. I've had some people tell me their stories, and I'm like did you speak this into your iPhone? (laughs) It's like, it's just not well written. And now, so I'm also offering people the opportunity to maybe tell their story over video or um, through, you know, if they want to create graphics, if they're an artist, and they want to create imagery to portray their story, I'm more than happy to allow that as well or to offer that uh, kind of avenue of approach. Uh, So I've done most of the lead generation, but there are some people's beginning to trickle in.
0: Mm-hmm. That's cool. Well, I wish you the best of luck with that stuff, and I, you know, I, I contributed a piece to it. Um, yes, sir. And I am looking forward to seeing you grow that brand. I know that I know from experience that it isn't easy, and it takes a lot of time. But I think focusing on and putting the onus on people and their stories, I I just think that there's something inherently great about that. Obviously, and um, you know, I, I'm excited to hear like what you learn, you know, throughout your journey of covering that type of stuff.
1: Awesome. I appreciate that.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the future. I mean you talked about you, – you recently just left the company that you helped start and you're now pursuing this uh, Why I Stopped brand. And I guess so like what are your goals coming out of this and where do you see it going in the future?
1: Yeah, I really want to focus on Why I Stopped and you know, just really try to get a lot of people's stories out there and just really create great content that – uh, helps remove that stigma around vulnerability and storytelling and telling and owning your story and telling your story. Um But I think for me, you know, I I would like this in a couple of years to become, you know, some sort of conference or a weekend event mm-hmm. uh, where you come and you hear great stories and you engage in different workshops uh, that allow you to begin to own your story and to deal with your pain. Uh, a lot of people are doing this, you know, like, you know, obviously Brene Brown is the leading front runner uh, pioneer. Mm-hmm. In regards to storytelling and vulnerability, so I'm not trying to like do what other people are doing. Um, it's just, but I'm also not opposed to just latching on to what they're doing. A lot of people are doing great things, and I'll get you know attached to them as much as I can. But I, I really just want to see this grow. I want it to become my brand message. I wanted to leverage it to use and to get more opportunities to you know get into the speaking world. Uh, that's where like one of my true passions is, and then um, I was just I think for the brand it's become kind of a lifestyle brand uh, slash you know conference
0: big conference, big ticket conference event. Mm-hmm. Do you think your first event would be in Buffalo?
1: No, <laughs> that's a good question. I think it's a little too cold here, so maybe yeah, uh...
0: <laughs> like year round cold. <laughs>
1: yeah, like year round.
0: <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, well, I think you're on the right track, and. Um, like I said, I mean, when you get somebody to start telling their story, I think it opens up the ability for others to start telling theirs. And, right. um, you know, that's that's the tricky thing, right, is just getting that first steam down the hill and then, um, you know, hopefully having a snowball effect over time and, and accelerated growth. So it, it sounds like you're committed to making this thing a success. And um, I'm sure you're going to learn a lot along the way and meet a lot of great people. And do you have any plans to include any athletes in there? Anybody from your football life?
1: Oh, yeah. I'll definitely try to get people. um, I think as more stories begin to unfold, people begin to look and to realize, like, oh, wait, I have a story about this because they see what other people are writing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what I'm kind of banking on. But, yeah, absolutely. I would love to get a hold of some uh, athletes and politicians, you know, housewives, moms, whoever, that, you know, they're willing to share their story.
0: Awesome. Well, I, like I said, I look forward to following it and continuing to be a part of it. And um, you know, I'm always going to look for opportunities to collaborate with you in terms of the ascent because we we obviously have a lot of crossover opportunities I think with different types of stories. And um, you know, I'm just all about trying to help people get from point A to point B and um, you know, I appreciate you coming on and helping share your story with us so that we can help other people learn about the paths of, People such as yourself, even though you're a pretty unique guy. (laughs) So thank you.
1: (laughs) No, thanks for having me, Steve. I really appreciate
0: it. Cool. Um, Just to wrap up, do you want to let people know how best to get a hold of you so that they can follow you and your progress and everything on social?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Instagram is just you know Caleb underscore Campbell. So that's just at Caleb, C-A-L-E-B underscore underscore Campbell. And that's just like Campbell Soup. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's where I'm probably the most active, not too active on Twitter. Uh, so that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. And then why I stopped is just whyistopped.com dot com.
0: Perfect. All right. Thanks, Caleb.
1: Thanks, Steve.